Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Jeremy Evans with the Believe in Sports Law podcast. Today is Monday, uh, September 9th, and we have a special guest on the show today, Megha Parikh. And I hope I'm saying that correctly. She is the uh, general counsel of the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, in the NFL, of course, a terrific person. And she's been kind enough to join us here today. And uh, we've got some questions for her on the uh, 15 Minutes of Fame session for this podcast with uh, the Believe Podcast Network. So, uh, Megha, without uh, any further ado, I've sort of gave a quick little brief intro there. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your background and how you ended up at the Jaguars. Sure, of course. And thank you so much for having me on today, Jeremy. So my pathway to my current job, I think, is is a pathway that I was never expecting to take. And I would say that that's common from my perspective for most executives that are in sports. They they often start with, well, it was, it was not something that I was necessarily expecting would happen. So I am... Um, went to law school um, in Boston at Harvard Law. And then after law school, I went to a law firm in New York. Um, I picked the law firm that I picked because they had a really strong sports practice. And I went to the transactional side. I graduated in 2009. So the recession was hitting pretty hard. And for the first year and a half, I ended up not working on any sports deals whatsoever. But I worked on securities offerings, bankruptcies, um, a few litigation matters, just really anything and everything that was available because there just wasn't that much work. Sports deals and MA activity in general started picking up about a year and a half in, but I hadn't had the benefit of getting trained in a wide variety of different types of corporate matters. One of the deals that I was lucky enough to work on was Mr. Khan's acquisition of the Jaguars. Um, and then over the course of the next year, I actually also worked on the acquisition of the Browns. The lawyer from the Jaguars went to Cleveland about a year after the deal closed, and they asked me if I would be interested in coming down to Jacksonville. At the time, it was sort of a perfect January day in New York where it was dark at 4.30, and I never would have thought that I would have ended up in Jacksonville. I didn't really know where it was on the map, but I knew that it was going to be a great professional opportunity, so I decided to take it. And really pleasantly, I've ended up falling in love with the city, even though as we're talking right now, I'm watching Hurricane Dorian um, offshore. So that's, that's been a surprise, but it, it's been a really fantastic professional experience and one that if you had asked me seven years ago, if I ever thought that I'd live in Jacksonville, I would have said, no, I would never leave Manhattan, um, but I love it down here. Oh, that's great. Um, so now in your role as senior vice president and chief legal officer, so with that title um, and obviously with the experience that you just mentioned in sort of your journey there to the Jaguars, um, you know, do you sort of see uh, your role as kind of like a mix between business and legals? You know, since you're the chief legal officer, you're, you know, you're in the suite, you know, C-suite position there. And, you know, maybe sort of talk a bit about how you balance the, maybe the legal sort of needs of the client and of the company uh, or the franchise really with, um, with the needs of, uh, let's say, like the business stuff. Sure. So I, I would say that as much of a surprise as coming to Jacksonville was, I thought when I came down here that I would just be the lawyer. My first week here, and another unexpected surprise, um, my boss, our team president, Mark Lamping, asked that I take on human resources and technology as well. So I don't I think that that's 
common, not necessarily the IT piece, but the HR piece for in-house counsel to have those responsibilities and also to generally pick up those sort of administrative of oper or operational responsibilities that don't fit neatly into anyone else's job description. So that's allowed tremendous growth from my side. And then I have the benefit of working with a really, really talented and pretty close-knit um, executive team. And so when you sort of mentioned balancing between legal and business, what I would say is that on the legal side, you know, people do a great job of trying to understand the legal risks and issues that might be presented, and then we talk through them together. But it's not necessarily an internal balancing act. It's a collaboration with my subject matter expert partners in their respective departments. So whether it's working through the complicated covenants in a debt facility with our CFO or working through the best way to structure sponsorship agreements with our head of corporate partnerships. It's a collaboration regarding the business issues with those people. Um, because I know that having never been in their shoes, I like to ask a lot of questions rather than assuming that as a lawyer or with my sort of more pure legal training, I would somehow know what the best thing is for um, one of our corporate partners. Well, that's really good. I, I love how you said like collaborative and sort of working with your team. Um, you know, I mean, I think that's probably one of your greatest attributes in, in, in terms of just, you know, you and I knowing each other, being colleagues and being friends, that um, it's something that I think is great uh, with what you with what you've been doing. And, and I'm sure that the Jaguars saw that and, 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 and immediately were like, we have to have this person with us. So uh, I think that's great. You know, the one thing that I'll just say on that point is that I think for a lot of people that are likely listening to this, what I will say is that the number of jobs that I interviewed for and was said yes to in sports for a permanent job in-house was one. And far greater than that is the number of jobs that I interviewed for and did not get, including two just the week or so before I ended up getting the opportunity in Jacksonville. And I only say that to say that I think for a lot of people, patience in terms of waiting for the right role is a really challenging aspect of sports. And that was certainly the case for me my first year and a half out of law school when I was working on things that were not at all sports related. Um, and then was the case, obviously, it's, it's always disappointing when you don't get a job, even if it's got nothing to do with you as a candidate. And frankly, I think most of the time it doesn't. But so being patient and continuing to sort of grow while you're waiting for that right opportunity for you um, is unbelievably challenging in terms of managing yourself. But I would encourage everyone to sort of be patient as we're looking for opportunities in sports. No, for sure. Good advice. Um, so, you know, Mega, I was looking at your, um, I was taking a look sort of at your profile and some of the stuff that you've done in the past. You mentioned working for the law firm. Can you talk a little bit about um, some of the sister companies for the Jaguars and some of the stuff that you do beyond, uh, let's say, for the, for the franchise? Um, yeah, so let, let's maybe let, let's start there. Sure, absolutely. So in addition to HR and technology being surprises when I came down here, one of the other things that is the greatest sort of professional challenge, but also opportunity for uh, from my perspective, for those of us working at the team, is that our ownership family is unbelievably dynamic and moves at a, as like a force of nature. So there's no sort of downtime or lull or restless time. When I first started here within six months, um, Mr. Khan was interested in purchasing Fulham Football Club, which is a UK soccer team. Um, since that time over the next two years, we've together with the city of Jacksonville put in about $170 million to improve 
the stadium, install the world's largest outdoor video boards, and build a 6,000-seat amphitheater. So we pivoted into the music business as well. Um, and then most recently, the family invested in and started a professional wrestling company called All Elite Wrestling, which officially launched in February of this year and has had four um, major events so far and is starting a weekly show in just about three weeks on TNT. So not only do we have football, but we also have pivoted into the music business, pro wrestling, and any number of other things that the family is interested in investing in, including real estate to help grow downtown Jacksonville. So there's a great amount of pride and gratitude to get to work for people who are unbelievably, obviously smart, but also really interested in improving the quality of life of people, whether it's in Jacksonville or otherwise. One of the best moments of work for me was at the first pro wrestling event in um, Las Vegas over Memorial Day weekend. I was walking Mr. Khan to his seat and people stopped him as he was walking to his seat to say thank you. And this was before the first match had even started. So it's amazing to be a part of helping to create memorable experiences for other people. And I know as a huge fan of sports and music, that that's, that's what my life is punctuated by memories of great Bon Jovi concerts or Yankees home runs or Jaguars wins. Nice. I love it. It's a good combo. Bon Jovi, Yankees, Jaguars. All right. Um, so now it's sort of interesting because with the Jaguars, obviously um, uh, with the owner, Mr. Khan, What's it, uh, what's it sort of like working for an international sort of owner and sort of how does that, how do you guys differ, let's say from other franchises? I mean, you mentioned some of those things with regard to some of the entertainment and uh, music stuff you're doing, but I mean, obviously I've seen a huge growth and I'm sure you have with regard to teams coming in, um, and purchasing, let's say international football clubs in terms of soccer. So kind of maybe talk a little bit about that in terms of how working for uh, Mr. Khan is such a sort of special thing and um, how maybe it differs from other franchises. Sure. I think that Mr. Khan's perspective and, and our team president, Mark Lamping's perspective was that, you know, Jacksonville, given the state of the market at this moment, it would be helpful to supplement our quote unquote local revenue through another source to try and grow it because there's only so much that we can necessarily pull out of this market. And in a, way that I think is not necessarily obvious to people, the Jaguars committed to play one game a year in London, not to start moving the team away from Jacksonville, but really to stabilize the franchise in Jacksonville for a couple of reasons. One, Wembley Stadium seats nearly 90,000 people. And so that game in terms of local revenue, because we do get to keep the revenue from it, is actually one of our most profitable games. Um, and we were able to control season ticket pricing here in the Jacksonville market by actually moving a game over to London. It also has helped us in two important ways. One is to elevate the profile of the Jaguars because as a new-ish franchise, so this is our 25th season right now, we don't necessarily have the deep history that some other franchises have. And so playing in London helps raise our brand awareness. And two, to help elevate the profile of Jacksonville. You know, I was joking a little bit earlier that I didn't know where Jacksonville was until I moved here, but to me, it's still nationally a well-kept secret. Beaches here are beautiful. The river is beautiful. But growing up in the Northeast, I'd always heard about Orlando, Tampa, Miami, and never really did hear much about Jacksonville. So I think that it's a city on the rise. And playing in London and developing international presence, to me, helps elevate the profile of the city, which is great for it. Um, the one other thing that I will uh, add to that is that, you know, Mr. Khan bought Fulham Football Club and their management team has been absolutely fantastic at educating us in terms of 
what the London market is like, because that is much different. And so not only was there the acquisition of the UK soccer team, but their management team has been able to educate us and help us grow and understand how to develop the Jaguars brand in that marketplace. You know, that's so fantastic. Uh, getting really excited about all the things that you mentioned there. And, you know, I have to say from like an outsider's perspective, looking at towards, a, you know, franchises, I, I definitely noted something different about the Jaguars. You guys do things differently. You guys are very innovative. And I love that. And it seems like the fans, as like you mentioned, really do appreciate that. And this sort of international development is so key uh, in seeing sort of these things develop. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe when Mr. Khan bought the team, there was a report on ESPN that he actually, there was a deal that um, was in place that essentially made it so that the team could not move. I don't know if there was any truth to that, but it would not surprise me if it was, because I think that would be totally within sort of his personality from what I know and the franchise to be committed to the city, but at the same time looking for ways to develop internationally. Is that kind of like the way that you see it too? Yeah. I mean, if you look at what he's doing across the portfolio, you know, there are people who will report that, well, by spending time in London, the team's somehow undermining the stability in Jacksonville, but he's also working right now with the city together with um, the team's development partner, the Cordish companies out of Baltimore to do a mixed use development right around the stadium to help elevate down to and develop downtown Jacksonville, create um, places for people to go before and after not only the football games, but concerts at the amphitheater, concerts at the arena across the way, minor league baseball games nearby. And there really is a dearth of, um, places to eat and shop right around that area. So we're looking at doing somewhere near a $450 million um, development right in the stadium. So it's, you know, there's, he moves on all sorts of parallel paths. If you look at any one of these things in a vacuum, you'd be missing the larger narrative in terms of investment and development and growth, both here and internationally. Right. No, I agree. So, and kind of in the, in a similar vein, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier about what Jacksonville's doing, but could you talk a little bit about um, sort of maybe future trends that you see in entertainment, media, sports, either with the Jacksonville Jaguars or even beyond uh, in terms of sort of industry trends and those types of things? Sure. So I think that um, sports companies are already doing this, but are going to need to continue to become technology companies. This is by no means my idea or a novel point, but it is absolutely true that as TVs go from 75 inches to 86 inches and affordable, it's going to be even harder to get people to come to games. And so making the in-game experience um, as easy as possible for fans, but also really special, right? It is it is not the same to be watching the game on TV as it is to be watching it in a stadium with 67,000 other people that are all rooting for your team as they're trying to go through the um, playoffs, but you need to make that experience live and in person, something really special, I think, to draw people out. Um, and then in general, too, the other thing I'd say is that as the media landscape has changed and the broadcasting landscape changed, figure out the right way to reach those fans that are consuming you remotely. So wrestling is a perfect example in that, you know, we have a significant presence in terms of pay-per-view buys, not only in the U.S., but also in Canada and the U.K., and most of our fans probably won't ever make their way to an actual event. So how do you make sure that you connect with and build loyalty with those fans as the broadcast landscape is changing from, you know, what it was for most of my youth, which is cable TV dominated as opposed to over the top streaming and then over the top streaming on different platforms like 
Twitch, which people haven't, it's so much different to me than something like CBS in terms of their overall business strategy and development. Right. No, no, no. Really good points. And then sort of to close this out, maybe a funny question or maybe not funny, but uh, maybe a little more lighthearted. What, uh, how do you feel about the Jaguars this season? Are you guys going to be pretty good? What's, uh, if you could take a guess on the record, what would you, what would you say about their, uh, their win loss record this year? You know, because of where I sit, from my perspective, there is no reason to do anything besides wake up every Sunday morning and think that we're going to win. And I've done that for the last seven seasons, and I'm going to keep on doing that this year. So that that's my prediction. I love it. Okay. Well, Megha, you've been great. Um, so again, uh, for the listeners out there, this is Megha Parikh. She is the vice president and chief legal officer of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And she's been kind enough to join us today for episode 10 of Believe in Sports Law with Jeremy Evans on the Believe Podcast Network. So, Mega, really do appreciate your time, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you again soon. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Jeremy. Thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.